Welcome to the Football Ramble where we are staying out of the way of Roy Keane's quick short jabs and are very impressed by City's streak. It's Wednesday the 3rd of March. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Venusian Ahantaraja. Fish seems upset by the way he said his name, guys, but let's all just be nice to him for the rest of the show. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you too. I'm not upset. I'm just, I don't know why I just cracked myself up on my own name like a child. That is interesting. What, what do you mean you cracked yourself up? What happened? I don't know. I think I said it in a way that amused me and only me. And I, <laughs> I couldn't explain why. And in being unable to explain to myself why I found it funny, I found it more funny. That's the secret of great comedy, though, isn't it? True, yeah, yeah. When only one person gets it, yeah. And it's a person who just told the joke. (laughs) Saying your own name is quite a weird thing, though, isn't it? You know, you don't really do it. I mean, we do it all the time, but generally out in your day-to-day life, you don't do it that often. I always feel really self-conscious when I say it, so I can see how it's happened. It's weird that you say that, because obviously when you go into shops and stuff, you always go, I, James Campbell, would please like some beans. Can you find them for me? You must have heard of me. Shower me with free gifts. That's what I mean. It's embarrassing, <laughs> especially when they don't know who you are, which happens all the time. Kate, you don't do your own shopping, do you? No, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. just walk. Yeah, because you just walk in there and recite your own, you know, say your own name. I <laughs> came, Mason. You announce yourself to the help, though, don't you? <laughs> the help already know I, who I am. I, Kate Mason, demand that you go and get me a breakfast hamper. However it is you live your life. <laughs> I don't serve my bra- my breakfast isn't served in a hamper. Christ, that's very old Ooh, school. Fortnum and Mason, that's where it's from. <laughs> yeah. Finally, yeah, that makes sense. No, I mean I do. Obviously, I do get the newspapers ironed because I don't want to get the type on my hands. But other than that, it's all a very it's quite a slackly run ship in Mason Towers. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something you go for? No, Jim. Ironing newspapers? Yeah. No, Surely if you heat it up, the ink's more likely to run on your fingers. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I leave it to the butler, but yeah, that's what he says. Fair dues. Yeah. Should we get to the Etihad then? It sounds like the sort of thing Pep Guardiola would want, actually. His newspapers yeah. ironed so that the ink doesn't get on his hands. Manchester City, a 21st straight win, full one against them. At times, zippy and productive Wolves. Two from Gabriel Jesus, one from Riyad Mahrez, who was brilliant on the night. The opener, an own goal from Leander Dendonka. And then Conor Cody equalised for Wolves with his first shot on target. In the Premier League, the floodgates opened for City in the 80th minute. Clearly, we're not going to spend the next 20 minutes discussing City winning the title. Uh, so we might have to pull out a few other strands for this one partly to make this sound like quite a close contest, which I think it kind of was, Jim. Like previously, I know we've decided a battering is, is it a deficit of four goals or three? But this wasn't think, by I any means a, four, a battering. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I mean, well, it became one, didn't it? When I think kind of Wolves, they were they they were fairly game in kind of trying to keep City out. Um, although, I mean, didn't it take them something like 20 minutes to get into City's final third at one point? I feel like teams are so scared of Man City that, that they play a little bit like a kind of weary, bullied schoolboy trying to sort of get his wedgie <laughs> over and done with as quickly as possible by just being compliant. And then I think Wolves remembered in the second half a bit that they didn't necessarily have to do that because it wasn't as if City peppered their goal in the first half in particular, was it? It was quite, there's a quite weird thing about 
City style sometimes, which is that because they have this strangulation on teams, and actually they don't really they don't use their pace that often, and it's the threat of their pace that kind of scares teams into an action, that it can actually be quite dull to watch. And that was definitely the case in the first half. The second half was, was much better, and they were, they were fantastic. But there's definitely an element of that. Or maybe it's sort of like how, you know, if you watch F1 and it looks really slow, and it's really boring, and surely the whole good, the whole thing about F one that's good is that it's fast. But on TV, it looks slow. Maybe it's a similar sort of thing. I don't know. I think the main thing to take away from this, Kate, is that your mum said wolves were going to win, and we've learned that your mum, your mum's full of shit. <laughs> don't don't lay in on my mum again, Jim. That's so mean. I, you know, she is a wolves fan. Bless her. She's the archetypal fan who is is constantly optimistic and always surprised. And I find that quite endearing. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. That feels like quite a, a nice lesson for life. Well, it should be anyway. Well, is it? Because ultimately they lost 4-1. Yeah, yeah but, did, but, she, but, but, it, but that's the thing. It won't affect her in the next, um, you know, for the next match. She'll still be optimistic. And to be fair, I think Wolves are one of the most underrated dull sides in the Premier League. What? And therefore, <laughs> if she's going into any Wolves game with any kind of enthusiasm, then that in itself needs to be... Harnessed, maybe she needs to be sectioned. Who's to say? It's either one or the other. But yeah, I, I, I found like Wolves were my second favourite team last year, and maybe Mine I'm, too, but yeah. maybe I really mean the year before that, where they were just quite exciting. But and I suppose we could we could say this is a strength, but they're very good at playing possum. Mm. You know, they did it to Manchester City twice last year, but it's almost like they're too comfortable as a possum and. They need to be a possum with a knife or like a more aggressive possum. I don't know. I don't think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Also, we should say, you know, losing Jota, losing Raul Jimenez to that injury has stunted them a little bit. But I always think that there is this idea of what Wolves were and what they are now. And those are two very different things. And a game like that is not so apparent because they're having to play the way they are against the dominant Manchester City. But yeah, they they don't have the same vim as they used to. No, they no, really don't. Definitely not. What's the possum thing? I mean, sorry, you do, you've heard of possums, surely? Yeah, but why are they like a possum? Because you know, like playing possum is where they possums pretend to be dead so that they don't so predators leave them alone. You don't know this, do you? How do you not know about possums? <laughs> How is this something that <laughs> seems right up your street? <laughs> How is this? Oh, this, like, this, this, this area area. <laughs> I've never seen Ghostbusters. I, I expect from you. I don't know what a possum is. Has thrown me. To be honest, if it's not a fox, you couldn't give a shit, could you? <laughs> Let it go about its life. <laughs> Even then, chasing them around your grounds, I'd imagine. Ah, the grounds, Mason grounds. Yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. Sorry, thank you for clarifying the possum question, Jim. I feel like I may have interrupted you there. Um, no, I was just agreeing with Vicious Point. I think um, that they have, it's almost like they've kind of f- forgotten the, or moved on from the identity they had where they would really, really take the game to teams. But they are very, very passive now. And I think a lot of that is due to personnel. Um, but I mean, yesterday, I think a large part of their possession was probably the own goal. Like it was, it, they <laughs> were really, really. Yeah, I presume it does, right? The Moscow towards your possession stats. But like, I feel like in a situation like that, they they kept trying to play out from the back, which is understandable because they've got that philosophy and, and it makes sense. But it it wasn't working, and you've got you've got Traore's pace. Just Allardyce it. 
And I don't. This isn't just for Wolves. This is for everyone. It's for everyone against City. Just Allardyce it. Nothing else is working. Someone needs to beat them. It's getting so boring. <laughs> yeah, I do. I said bring in the army, and people laughed at me. So <laughs> for that, I've got nothing own, else to offer. For the own goal, though. Um... With Dendonka, I, oh, the commentary seemed like very convinced that he'd done absolutely the right thing, even though he scored an own goal and absolutely like hammered it past uh, Rui Patricio in in the Wolves' goal. And I get that he had to get in front of Raheem Sterling, and Raheem Sterling had a tap in. But Vish, is there not something to be said for making the just like actually trying to make the attacker make that final touch? Like stranger things have happened than Raheem Sterling potentially missing that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a, that's a very good point. Yeah, I, I wonder if there's. Uh, it's easier said than done when we're sat here talking about it yeah. than in that moment of having to react instantaneously. But I do wonder actually if he'd have been better off going for it, and missing it, and then surprising Sterling. How you do that in a millisecond is not my problem. No, but if you're not going to even mm. try, then I, I, I can't yeah. help you. And also, but, I don't think score the goal for the striker is ever really that good a solution. No, I don't know one. if you if with. If you can, if you're going to be really petty about it, why not? Like, why not take yeah, one off them? <laughs> I think Cody shouted "cock" after the second goal went in. The second city goal went in, which I really enjoyed. There's something about the way yeah. he, he like delivered it was absolutely amazing. What? What? In terms of your favourite on frustrated on pitch expletives, "cock"'s got to be up there. Is there, are there any others that you that you'll kind of go tos either that you really enjoy seeing and or that would be your main ones for when you you're playing yourself? I call myself a knobhead a lot. Yeah, okay. When I'm playing football, yeah. I swear yeah. a lot, actually. I'm, I mean, I've not played in years. I'm generally sort of swearing at myself the whole time. Oh, just no. Just because I don't play that often. And football's really hard, and I'm not good at it. <laughs> That's gone somewhere quite dark. I meant more like watching some of these. I mean, it's good watching them swear in, like, Portuguese or whatever. But there's just something quite charming about it. I was at a, I was at a WSL game, um, Spurs versus Manchester United, at the start of this season. And one of the Manchester United players was chasing a ball. No, sorry. One of the Spurs players was chasing a ball down the wing mm. and she miscontrolled it out of play. And she went, oh, you ugly bitch. And <laughs> the, 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 it was brilliant. The Manchester United um, right back was like, oh, come on, mate, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just don't, it was like don't, don't have a go at yourself about this. It's just football. Nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's incredible because we're right there, pitch side. I was in the stands, kind of um, because of COVID and stuff like that. There's no press area. I was just like, "Geez, all right." Yeah, <laughs> didn't um, David Beckham insult a linesman's mother in Spanish? Crikey. I think I think I remember that happening. Oh, yeah, that's dear. too far, isn't it, David? That really is too far. That's kind of you lose some handsome points for that. I think <laughs> you're, t- you're down to a gentleman's nine point eight. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um... There was a bit of VAR in this one, but we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it if that's all right. But we are gonna talk a little bit about refereeing uh, because Chris Sutton has been making some points about the referees being mic'd up, and there's that thing. I feel like like it's old that A League clip of um, like really quite old. I may be wrong about this. There's uh, a few of them, Raw, yeah. The one I've seen is the Brisbane Raw one up against West Sydney Wanderers, maybe, and they're just you know it's just very logical that all the all the referees, the assistant referees are talking to each other and you can you can kind of follow the progress of what is happening. Um, and yeah, Sutton says that's exactly the way it should go. I don't know about you guys. Like, So VAR has been in since the 
sorry, the 1919 season. <laughs> it was a classic. No, it's been in since the 2019-20 season. And I sort of felt like it was always going to be a bit crap for the first bit. And then ultimately they would move towards having it more like in cricket or, or in rugby where, where you do hear people talk it through. I sort of felt as though there was some degree to which they were protecting the referees from how this how they're speaking being heard across across Tannoy's and then they were going to move on to a, a better version of VAR. Perhaps that was my my naivety vish or do you think that is a good move? I mean, I, I think the the way it's applied in cricket and rugby are, are quite different. In rugby, one of the things that works is specifically when they're adjudicating on a try is that the referee on the field says, is there a reason why I shouldn't award the try? Now, the language there is really important because similarly in cricket, you don't actually hear the standing umpire talk. You hear the third TV umpire talk and they kind of talk through what they're looking for and how things are being processed. And there's been a bit of an issue in the India-England series because not all the protocol was followed. But essentially, if you're going to do it, you need to nail down the language. You've got to nail down who is talking and who they are talking to because that's really important in the dynamic, especially for the way that players and fans interact with it. With regards to the miking up thing, I'm not going to talk about cricket again here, sorry, but Arjuna Ranatunga, a Sri Lanka coach during the 90s, a Sri Lanka captain during the 90s, was really big on this. Um, stump mics being the things that he wanted raised and, and uh, you know, public because of the language and the kind of abuse that he was getting. Now, it's not a reason to mic up a referee, but I wouldn't be surprised, and I do think it is a remedy to some of the shit they'll get on the field. Um, but in opening them up, then we need to school the referees and the language that they can use. Because we can... I know this isn't the point, but we should probably look at it from a social media point of view, and you should temper the language around what people will jump on. Because clearly they'll jump on absolutely anything. You know, If you look at the number of people who um, ran with that Luke Shaw thing on the weekend about what the referee didn't say and how many people got the correction, you know... Chalk and cheese is, you know, a thousand plus retweets mm. and a hundred retweets. That's what we're talking mm. about. So I think it'd be worth, if we're going to do it, work that way, work, work out the best way to have as, I don't know, yeah, a, a like clear a language, but also, conversation. Yeah. yeah, clear language and language that isn't going to cause controversy. And that might sound a backward way of doing it, but I think it's just a better way of looking after people in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, do you think it would apply to football though? I always think that, I don't I mean, it's very interesting when you hear referees mic'd up in rugby, uh, it's, it's, and and you know in in, Amer- uh, in various American sports as well. It's an interesting insight into how the game runs. But I think are the traditions of football just so like the on-field traditions of football so ingrained that I mean, I just I just don't know if it would really change that much. To be honest, I do like the idea of the formality of saying, "Is there any reason why this penalty shouldn't be given?" Mm. Like like that bit at a wedding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is there any? Does anyone have any reason why these two should not be wed? That's exactly it. I think you're right. I mean, when I was hearing the debate about it, Micah Richards was saying, oh, it'd be a problem to have them mic'd up because of all the swearing that the players do. And and, <laughs> and I was like, I don't... I'm pretty sure that's what he was trying to say. I just, I don't... Is that yeah. not a boat? Like, is that not a bonus if you... I'd- I try to cut down on that and all the crowding and all that unpleasantness. It, it is a bonus. And it also, no one's yeah. suggesting micing up the referee and replacing the commentary with that. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's constantly going to be going out. Yeah, exactly. it reminds me of this. Um, reminds me of this uh, bar slash club in Acton where they were 
kind of redoing all the CCTVs and they um they're like, Oh, we found a found a blind spot there, so we'll put another camera there and it's like, Oh no no, don't do that. That's where we take some of the wrong ones out and um sort them out. And it was like, okay, brilliant. And that seems a bit Fine. like, yeah, don't bite them up. Don't bite them <laughs> up because they swear too much. <laughs> the other thing the other thing about, um, like, I, I would agree with you. I don't think football is necessarily something that lends itself to to this kind of thing. Or certainly I didn't. But if we're going to have as many stoppages as we are now, we might as well have some clarity as well. Yeah, great point. I'm enjoying the fact that we've managed to get you to reminisce about your time in a club in Acton, uh, Fish. Mm. Sounds like that was. I think one it's of your closed down spots. now. Oh well, probably. I don't think there are any nightclubs left, are there, guys? I think this. I think no. they're just done. Yeah. <laughs> don't they're say that. Caves now. Don't say, that's <laughs> such a good mood. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, well, let's take a little short break now and go off and start our nightclub saving petitions, and we'll be back <laughs> after this. Hi, I'm Linvoy Primus, and you're listening to the Football Ramble. Welcome back to the Football Ramble, you lovely possums. Me and Vish and Jim all together. Don't put your head in your hands, Vish. Playing dead. It's <laughs> time for these. Justina Show and Football Ramble.com. Right now, so Yes, it is time for these, these males. Uh, Neil from the Isle of Skye has been in touch. He says, my great-grandfather was the first person to win the FA Cup as a player and a manager. Jokes. His name was Peter, Peter McWilliam, or Peter the Great, as he was known by the Toon Army. This guy a is a was big on his way f- deal, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. It's a huge deal. As a lad, he was on his way from the Highlands of Scotland to sign for Sunderland. He stopped in Newcastle to visit his sister and decided to have a look around St James's Park. Legend has it that he started speaking to one of the Newcastle directors, just hanging about, who, after hearing of his plan to sign for their fierce rivals, signed in without ever having watched him play. As they a player, still do that now! For... <laughs> <laughs> it's great! Yeah. Tradition. As a, as a, they might have to at the moment. As a player, he played for Newcastle and Scotland in the early 1900s and then went on to manage Spurs for a combined total of 19 years. I have one of his Damn. Scotland football tops from 1909, right. an original pink and yellow classic. Unfortunately, in the 1960s, my dad was into motorbike racing and wore the top as a good luck charm. It now has oil stains and holes in it. Cheers, Dad. So, yeah. I don't think that's an esoteric enough link, is it? It's just That's just really cool. He's got a really cool, great, what's it? Great yeah. grandfather, I mean, it must the, be. Yeah. The stories don't have to be shit. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Neil, your story is too good. We won't be putting that sort of high-quality contribution on anymore. Yeah, let's hope there's some poor content to follow from Mark. Uh, When I was 18, my girlfriend at the time was good friends through school with a local Sunderland hero. Got to know him quite well at the time, and he was learning to drive, and I thought it would be a good idea to let him practice in a car park in my mum's Vauxhall Corsa. Good car. Turns out he wasn't that great as he drove straight into a lamppost, causing significant damage 
which I took the hit for as I was too scared to tell my mum that I'd let someone else drive her beloved car. <laughs> it cost me 300 quid to put right, and as of yet, I'm yet to be reimbursed. So on the off chance he listens to your podcast, could you just forward this on to him and we could go from there? <laughs> Mediators of Football Ramble, bringing yeah. people together and tearing them apart as well. <laughs> Love this. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just trying to guess who it is, to be honest. So, some yeah. local Sunderland hero. Yeah, name redacted. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> it wouldn't I be mean, Kevin yeah, Phillips. Just... It, actually, no, it would be Kevin Phillips. It wouldn't be Niall Quinn, because I don't think he'd fit in a Vauxhall Corsa. No. Yeah, you... you are the expert here, I guess. I just feel like, it, genuinely, generally, Niall Quinn's car will need to have a big sunroof. Just so he can just do headers from it, like That's in the Flintstones. I think of when I think of yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. just like in the Flintstones. Exactly right. Uh, thanks for your emails, guys. Keep them coming in. Show at footballramble.com dot Oh, you can, of course, tweet us. Now we're coming on to a section that has very politely been entitled "Newcastle are fucked." Mm. I mean, we could. That, and they are, aren't they? That could just be it, couldn't it? Uh, yes, the survival hopes of Newcastle have been dealt something of blow. Alan Saint-Maximin and Miguel Amaron both out with injury until April. Let's not forget Callum Wilson is already out as well. I read that between them, they have scored 16 of Newcastle's 27 league goals this season. But it's all right because Steve Bruce can now rely on Joe Linton, Dwight Gale and Andy Caron. They've, they've all scored one each. So nothing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, this is very much advantage Fulham, isn't it, it, it seems. Um, also, the, the Newcastle takeover talks have been put back on hold, it would seem. It's like it, takes, it takes so much for Mike Ashley to realise that Newcastle might go down, doesn't it? Mm. Like it's, it's like he's only just going now. Oh, actually, yeah, maybe there is a chance that this <laughs> won't be a Premier League team and I can sell it next season. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really terrible terrible time for Newcastle to be losing those players I mean they've got West Brom next um, mm. and Fulham have got Spurs tomorrow so I mean you would think Fulham probably won't win that but even so I mean that is going to put the wind in Fulham sails a little bit and even even West Brom might you know might be buoyed by that if, if they can if they can win the next game and they're on a you know they're, they're looking a lot better than they have been that just throws some panic into Newcastle and that's the last thing you need in this situation the other thing about those two players Almiron and um, Sim Maximum is that they are the only two players who really do anything I want to say in the attacking third I might have to bring that back into the attacking like two thirds because yeah. they're the only two players who like run with the ball. I think they're like the top two for dribbles. They're the only two who do anything in open play. And it's a little bit like I, I don't know. Like I, I, I would hate to be a Newcastle fan right now because it's one thing when your team are enduring a bad run. It's another thing to have injuries like that and to know what is about to befall you. Because there's an yeah. inevitability to this slide here that. You know, Kate, even you reading out Joel Linton, Dwight Gale and Andy Cowell's numbers, oh. even just saying those names together in a sentence yeah. is enough to, to give you grief. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's... A little bit like a boat that's lost its oars. Do you mean that's how it, how it feels, doesn't it? But, I mean, Dwight Gale's perhaps a better player than, than, than we've seen from him Um in in recent times, maybe a run in the team. I mean, you we'll, sound like we'll his mum now, don't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I no, do, do I'm just trying to just trying to find some positives. I don't know why. Christian Apsu is coming only... back into it, says Steve Bruce. 
That should be a problem solved day, though, because Atsu's actually got three goals in all of the Premier League appearances he's made in his entire career. Probably like a new signing, isn't it? Probably like a new signing, yeah. yeah. The bloke we didn't want for the best part of the year is back in. So good, yeah, good news for everyone. Great. He probably <laughs> doesn't want to play either. He's probably <laughs> thinking, well, hold on, what? Yeah, I've been enjoying this, got my feet up. Yeah, I'm getting my vaccine Cracking in a couple right of weeks. I don't need this shit in my life. <laughs> Do you know how long video games are now? They're like 90 hours long. You need I'm not time minutes. for football. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that uh, I was going to say not all bad news, though, but that's not true. But anyway, Emil Kraft, is, is, he's coming back into training. Not even a real player. See? <laughs> <laughs> Made up name. <laughs> I apologise. Uh, Newcastle, yeah, 17th in the league. Three points ahead of Fulham, as you point out, Jim. They visit Craven Cottage on the final day of the season. Ooh. Get ready for that. <laughs> it's a lovely little synchronised ooh, that, yeah. <laughs> from, from a distance, yeah, we've been working on that, actually, without you, Fish. Mm. Sorry about that. I'm not Steve Bruce might have been glancing over Victor Moses' uh, list of the greatest managers ever. Or, well, his list of top managers, actually. So it's a bit more of a personal thing. He has put Neil Warnock above Jose Mourinho, Victor Moses. Um, which actually, to be honest, to me, seems fair enough, right? Because the deal is Mourinho was quite mean to him, as I recall. And you don't have to pick people who are pricks. He, loaned him. <laughs> he just loaned him out a lot, didn't he, I think? Yeah, he's, you know? he didn't back him. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Jose's got his methods, hasn't he? And it, it will alienate some. But overall, I think, is do we look back on Jose Mourinho's career and think, you know what, sprinkling more of Victor Moses and it might have been even better. <laughs> he won the title the I following season, was... Jim, you cynic. Well, yeah, all right, fair enough. So all that's, all that's happened in that whole sequence of events is that Victor Moses has proven him wrong, hasn't he? Is that how anyone else is? Am I mad here or is am I still looking back at both of their careers and thinking Jose probably edges it? <laughs> oh, you're so, so boring in your perspectives. <laughs> <laughs> Someone did once say that if you love something, let it go. Actually, I think that might be Harry and the Hendersons, but <laughs> I think it still rings true to this day. And, and maybe he just thought, you know, I, I love you too much, so I must let you go. And now Mourinho really that might think, well, Victor, you got the wrong end of the stick here. I was just, I wanted you to broaden your horizons, go out and see the world. Oh, really? Mm. You know, like when the like when the small Spartan has to go and like kill some wolves, probably, and then come back as like the big Spartan in Sparta. You think that you think it's a love story? You think it's an unrequited love story? Sounds like no, not unrequited. Or is that what you think all stories are like? Well, they're not going to bone. I'm, I'm, I think oh, more like father son. Oh my god, Kate! That was an under the radar dig. What do you think all love stories are unrequited love stories? <laughs> it's not what I was trying Jesus. to say, and I can't believe you were on that. And Vish just said bone. Jesus. Carry on, yeah, but Vish. that's what you're alluding to. I, I think, I, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a plot, it was a platonic, respectful love that Vo- Moses perhaps has misunderstood, hmm. and he might have, you know, when he won that title the next year, Mourinho might have been there thinking, "Oh, good, enough. how would he fuck?" No, he wouldn't, would he? But hmm. you know, that might well, have yeah. been some of his the result of Mourinho. We don't know. Here's the rest we do of the know. list. It wasn't, but <laughs> here's the rest of the list. Antonio Conte then is top. I don't know if it's in order of goodness, but anyway, maybe it is. Uh, Next, Roberto Martinez, Rafael Benitez, Neil Warnock, with whom I made my debut at Crystal Palace. It's lovely, isn't it? Uh, Tedesco and also Mark Hughes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Jose does seem 
conspicuous by his absence today. But there you go. Well, maybe Still, six and was the also maximum. Mark Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Mark Hughes was involved as well at some point. Yeah. Okay, that made, that makes a lot more sense. The Warlocks doing going well. Borough got past Coventry last night. Um Cardiff, oh Mick McCarthy's Cardiff, of course, beat Wayne Rooney's Derby 4-0 with 27% possession. Did I say that in a weird way? Anyway, there it is. Uh Big Mick says, you won't get me carried away with it being in the top six. Everybody gives you a pat on the back, but suddenly there's a knife in their hand. <laughs> He's never happy, is he? He'll never let himself be happy. No. He, he likes it that way, doesn't he, I think, Big Mick? What, he likes imagining to, he likes knives? To... Yeah, something to be cynical about. Something to just, like, you know, be dour about. He likes being dour. He enjoys it. It's the brand. Can we just give him, give him a puppy at Christmas? Well, we might as well take it to the lake now because he's going to die. Yeah, it will die. Yeah. It will go off somewhere to die. We might as well take it ourselves. <laughs> we we did only get you this to teach you about death. Do remember that? It's, it's I, Nan all over again. I only just heard that this is the point of, of pets. Not. <laughs> no, it is. It fucking is, Jim. I was having a chat to a mate yesterday. He's got a kid. Everyone's got kids now. And they were like, oh, uh, yeah, no, we're going to get a guinea pig probably because that's because little Boris. No, <laughs> that's not the kids <laughs> Wow, little it was, Boris. It was either Boris or Octavia. Oh, I was waiting posh. for one of those two. <laughs> it's not called Boris. I was looking for a name that was not the name. Little Felicity uh, needs to learn about death. I didn't know that was the whole point of, of pets. I mean, it and isn't. It's it not, is, is it? Yeah. It is the point of pets. It is. I'm sorry, but that's the Do case. You all, are all your friends from Cruel Intentions? Like, what is... Yeah. What is this? Boris. What kind of life are you living? What kind of possum-free life? Pet killing... <laughs> All over the joint. Look there, we've got pet the pissed off now. The dog is furious at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not about death. I'm about food, primarily. <laughs> Jim, have you got one of those? <laughs> well, this happened the other day as well. Have you got one of those little <laughs> boxes that you can press for sound effects? Is that what you're doing? No, to? that is a real dog. <laughs> He's going mad at something. I don't know what. But it's you know, it's different every time. Who knows? Guys, Jim's, him now? Jim's very small dog is coming at him. It's actually, it's actually he's quite coming a, at you, to be fair. It's actually quite a worry to see. Well, in that case, he hasn't understood how, how Zoom works, has he? Mm. Well, he'll be dead soon. What does it matter? It's beyond him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? He does not like that chat. It's making him feel very insecure. I'm sorry, Jim's dog. Sorry, mate. Um, the thing about dogs... Oh, this is a terrible segue, but here it is. The thing about dogs is they're great on Instagram, aren't they? Do you know who else is great on Instagram? Antonio Conte. Have you seen what he's been up to? He's been using his Instagram as a tactics survey. Is this the best... Yeah, it's weird, this. The best use of Instagram ever? I love it because it's like he's... He's realised there's a whole new audience of people he can shout at, effectively. Oh, oh is that what it's about? <laughs> He's just just realised that this is this is an option to him. He's seen how, you know, obviously Jose's doing very well, but managers are starting to just be a bit more active with their own kind of personal brands on, on social networking sites now, aren't they? Like, can you imagine him just like, imagine him on TikTok, just like... That actually worked just, really well on know. TikTok, wouldn't it? Yeah, just, I don't know, like mouthing along to famous speeches, just... I can see Conte doing well on there. There's yeah. so much fury in that man that it needs an outlet. Yeah, all right. I mean, he, what he has been posting, I think you're reading quite a lot into this. He posted yesterday, a couple of days ago, um, 
two videos of Inter side by side and he asked, Tiki Taka or a direct style of play? Is a balance between the two better? Let me know what you think. And it's had about 10,000 comments. So maybe it's actually based on what we've seen about how people recruit now so weirdly across the internet. Maybe it's just... Yeah. It's just that. Maybe he's managing, sort of managing via Instagram. It's like just genuinely getting ideas from the fans. Like they seem to think they know better anyway. He's he's thinking. I might as well see if they actually do. I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it to the test. Behind the scenes, we're falling apart. Um, so <laughs> why the hell not? Yeah, it's just cheap labour, isn't it? It's a bit like when you've got yes. a job opportunity and you ask for three pitches and then you don't yeah. get the job and you see it in a publication a month later. Yeah, mm. which that has sounds happened like a very me. specific example. <laughs> oh. yeah. See, it seems like you're fine about it, though, Vish. Yeah, I mean, it's just a very healthy, a very normal, healthy industry. <laughs> glad, glad you're all right uh there's more football for you tonight fish so you can watch that and and try and block it all out sheffield united up against <laughs> aston villa palace v man united burnley v leicester oh my god i've just realized that the last time we were on together jim we were supposed to be making you cry and now instead fish yeah, has um, happened don't worry has done that you've, all that's happened is you've upset the dog it's not my fault. The dog can't hear me. My voice is not that high before you make that one. Yeah, I can see you making the gag. Um, Sean Dyche has been responding to Roy Keane's comments of the weekend that he could have played in their midfield against Spurs. He says he probably could have, uh, but also he's annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go to the doctors and tell him what he's doing wrong or my lawyers or my solicitors, but apparently with football managers, everyone thinks they can do better than us, but I have no problem with Roy Keane or anyone else. I mean sensible because Rio Ferdinand's just revealed uh, that he had to have a quote unquote I think a stern word with Roy Keane after he punched a Man United youth prospect <laughs> sorry I shouldn't that laugh. takes some uh, that takes some guts doesn't it I mean, imagine building up to having a stern word with Roy Keane yeah it took Redknapp being pitch side to really kind of go toe to toe with him didn't it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. why is it like I think this all stems from like uh, Brian Clough knocked knocked Roy Keane down um, at halftime of a Nottingham Forest match because he gave the ball away, and I really think that set in motion so many of the things we see today. Yeah. Because not only did he absolutely respect Clough, but he respected him even more after that, which in itself should have raised some alarm bells. Um, and now, yeah, maybe it's just how he deals with things. Although he loves dogs, he would never punch a dog, would he? Of course. No, he Presumably. Not even to teach his kids about death. Um, <laughs> Watch me yeah, punch the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the story is mad, isn't it? It was it was Chris Eagles, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And um, he, he, apparently he was sort of leaving him, leaving a bit on him in cha- in training. So King just gave him a quick short jab, according to the <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the article. But it's like, it's amazing. I mean, you can't you can't go around punching the youth team. Apparently, you surely. Can. Well, Ferdinand seems to think it was a good idea. Eagles was only a young kid taking liberties. It was good for him. Well, then why did he tell him to stop? It's confusing from Rio. It's a lot of mixed It's weird. Why do, why do footballers have serious mental health problems when they retire? I never, <laughs> why do they fall out of the game so early? It's such a mystery, isn't it? For that yeah. and all other questions, guys, we've got a live stream, another live stream coming up over on our Patreon on Thursday at 5pm. Marcus Fish. Fish is doing it. He's going to answer all the questions about why he's so sad about that pitching thing. And Pete will be in your company. Ask him anything, literally. Head over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble to sign up and get involved. Guys, that's it from us. On tomorrow, uh, it's me, it's Andy and it's Pete. Jim, I think you better go and attend to your canine companion. 
Yeah. Well, he's he's not my dog, so he's not my responsibility. But <laughs> he'll be fine. Uh, say goodbye there, Jim. Bye. Say goodbye to your possum friends, Vish. Nice to see you. They're all dead. We'll be back tomorrow. Take care, guys. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.